Corinthians chapter 15. And as you're turning there, let me say just a few things. I hope you got a card when you came in. If you could fill this out, leave it on the table before you leave. We'd appreciate that. This uh, will indicate you'll be here on Wednesday nights for our study. We're not going to keep roll or anything like that, but if you could uh, remember that, that would be uh, greatly appreciated. We'll be studying Christ's mission, my commission, my commission, missions in the gospel of uh, Matthew. And I think this is going to be enormously shaping for the ministry and future of our church. Uh, then, if you can help with uh, the Upward Cafe beginning Saturday, that would be great. We need more people to sign up for that. And then um, we're going to uh, break loose here a little bit early this evening at about uh, <clears throat> uh, 15 till. Uh, at that time, Skipper Cruz is going to come ask you to help him and our Upward, um, upward leaders to do a prayer walk uh, in preparation for Saturday's first Upward game. Uh, prayer walking works. Uh, there's been some significant research done on that, and there's no magic to walking around and praying. It's just that you multiply and specify your prayer request, and God answers. But uh, if you will uh, be ready the last few minutes of this evening to pray, we would greatly appreciate that. Romans chapter 15 is a, is a uh, text I call Missions, Missions, Missions. And what I'd like to do this evening is to address uh, our mission strategy and vision for the church. Our vision is to magnify Christ by building all the peoples of the Athens region into great commissionaries. Now, how many of you could stand and say that? As many times as I have said it, somebody should probably have it memorized. So, to help you with that, turn to your neighbor and repeat our vision statement, if you will. Oh, and he heard the silence. <laughs> okay, let me give you the first, uh, the first couple of words. Beach Haven Baptist Church. <laughs> All right, there are three major components to it. There's magnify Christ, build all the peoples, and great commissionaries. Now, is that enough of a hint? All right, turn to your neighbor and do it. You got to go. Oh, you poor pitiful people. Bless your heart. Okay, we're going to be working on that as time goes on. Our priorities are, are these. Our priorities, Christ-likeness to guide great commissionaries, Sunday school to win more great commissionaries, worship to establish great commissionaries, discipleship to train great commissionaries, and evangelism to activate great commissionaries. So what I'd like to do in that spirit is to outline for you our missions strategy and guidance dates and some preparation from Romans chapter uh, 15. And to, to summarize this, I would like for us to begin in verse 16. Uh, the Apostle Paul said in verse 15, Grace was given to me that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's a marvelous missionary text. In fact, all the way to the end of the chapter is what we find. Let me talk first about our great commissionary strategy. What we'd like to do is that this summer, uh, this summer we would like to do a church-wide mission trip. Now, it's not merely a family mission trip. It's larger than that. It's not merely a student mission trip. It's larger than that. A church-wide 
mission trip. If you are breathing June 24th, you are capable of going on this mission trip, all right? And we're going from Saturday to Saturday, June 24th to July 1st. We're wanting to partner with Guatemalans and help uh, a Guatemalan church and build up a Guatemalan church and Guatemalan people in order that we might partner together to reach an unreached, unengaged people group. That means a people group that is not engaged and has no believers in it. There are still some of those around the earth. In fact, there's some in the Western Hemisphere, and there are two in Guatemala. And the Conjobal people happen to be one. Now, my heart's desire is that we would help build up a Guatemalan church that it might have the missionary vision and missionary heart that Beach Haven has had since its founding that really got on steroids with the Grenada mission trip back in 1980. People talk to me about that about every month that I've been here. It's rather remarkable how shaping that was for uh, Beach Haven. But the international missionary movement has not caught fire around the world. It has not. The Brazilians are doing all they can. The South Koreans have got a global vision as well. But it is either rescinding and dying in Europe, or most are so concerned about their own country, they're not thinking about a globe, and they don't keep the world in view. About the only place where it is being exported at the rate and with the, with the finances and the global vision, not just the local or just a spot here and there around the earth, is in the United States. We need to change that. We need the help of all of our Christian friends around the world. I want to communicate that heart and spirit to a people and then work with them to reach an unengaged, um, unreached people group. In fact, what, what I'm praying for is that out of the Guatemalans or an unreached, unengaged people group, God will call out of that a, what we call a missionary unit, either a single person to serve as a missionary or a couple to serve as missionaries or a family to serve as missionaries to an unreached, unengaged people group. It's time for that to pick up steam and for it to roll. And that's a huge task. I don't think we can do it all by ourselves, but it needs to be done. And within the next 10 years, we can at least see one missionary unit come from our Guatemalan friends and hopefully from the unreached, unengaged people group. In fact, I'd like to send them to seminary someplace as well, take care of their tuition and some other needs and get them on the field without any debt, just as quickly as we possibly uh, can. Now, the unreached, unengaged people group in northern Guatemala that we are looking at has been suggested to us by the International Mission Board. It's the Conjobal people. Now, John Walker came up with a way of saying that the other day that was rather humorous but very effective. And the word that you used was, do you recall? Cotton ball. Yes. So look at your neighbor and say, we're going to reach the cotton ball people. All right, well, let's modify that a little bit, and it's the Conjobal, all right? Say it with me, Conjobal. One more time, the Conjobal people, all right? And uh, they've got a unique language. They're in the northern reaches of Guatemala near the Mexican border, and the, one of the big reasons they're unreached and unengaged is that they are hard to access. They're hard to reach. There aren't very good roads to that particular location. We're learning more about this, but... That's what we are looking at. Now, our mission trip this summer is designed to help build up a Guatemalan church and a Guatemalan people to help us with this through the years and as the years come. In fact, I'm wanting our church to make a 10-year commitment to this vision and this mission. So often mission trips are one and you're done. You step into a place, you do what you can, do a good job, in fact, come out and go someplace else. 
I'm wanting us to work with this people and these people in rotating cycles for the next 10 years at several levels. Um, what we're looking at this summer is doing vacation Bible school in the morning with our Guatemalan friends, Guatemalan church, and a few Anglos from the church there as well, doing sports camps in the afternoon, feeding them lunch during lunchtime, and um, while the VBS and the uh, sports camps are going on, doing door-to-door evangelism with some. There will be some also that may do some construction, and then starting on Wednesday night through Friday night, do a tent crusade there in, uh, on the church property as well. And that's what we're looking at as far as that's concerned. So that's our mission strategy. Mission guidance involves the story of reaching these folks. I got interested in the Guatemalan people when my first summer here, I got to visit one of our uh, members who is from San Joaquin, Guatemala, and uh, went by to visit with him, and he turned his heart and life over to the Lord. Gave himself to Jesus sitting right there, help of his wife. Baptized him about 15 months ago. Uh, during the Rodney Hill Crusade. Baptized his wife Christmas morning, in fact. I came to the Lord. There, he is from Guatemala. She's from another exotic location called Athens, Georgia. But um, he came to Christ, and that just got on my heart. Michelle told me some things and shared some insights uh, with me uh, after leading him to the Lord that really planted this on my heart. Uh, so I contacted the North American Mission Board and they directed our attention to a strategic focus city. They call it a sin city, but it, not sin, S-I-N, but send, S-E-N-D. Uh, and uh, said that you may find some folks in the Miami area, which happens to be a focal point of our work. I called the coordinator down there who is on staff at a church. His name is um, Alex Campanzanas. And he directed me to Indian Town Baptist Church. Well, unbeknownst to me, we had another church member who was working with the International Mission Board on an unreached, unengaged people group, and they directed him to the same city where this church was located. And we, we were doing this independently. That was very encouraging. So we contacted the pastor of this particular church. Now, this church has got an in- interesting arrangement that is not unusual at all. There's an Anglo church that is small, and there is a... Um, uh, Hispanic church that's twice the size meeting in the same building. The Anglo church owns the property, and I think they rent or they allow the Hispanic church to use a good portion of the property. In fact, they use the most of it because uh, they're twice as large. The uh, pastor of the English-speaking church uh, came off the field from Tunisia as a missionary, one of our International Mission Board missionaries, uh, to pastor this church, and they've had some modest growth through the years. Uh, the Anglo-English-speaking population of the city has declined precipitously, and so they've been working with a declining population, but since he's been there, they've doubled, uh, is what's happened there. The uh, Spanish language church has grown and has been there 10 years in this facility and in these spaces, and the pastor has been there, I think, eight years. Uh, I said 10 in the earlier service. I actually think it has been... um, eight uh, years. So we did a Skype conversation with the pastor, and one of his assistants there at the church is a man by the name of Junior. He is a Colombian, and Junior is a professional translator and spends all day long translating English into Spanish and Spanish into English. And his interpretive skills are wonderful. I preached on the Wednesday night when we went down there, and we, we immediately got a cadence, and we're going back and forth. In fact, I just wanted to sit back and just listen to him. He did so well. And uh, that was very, very uh, encouraging. We spoke with them and discovered in our first Skype conversation that the pastor is first generation here, but his father and grandfather, and I don't know exactly how this works out, but his father and grandfather are descendants of the Conjobal people in Guatemala. 
And in fact, there are 900 Conjobal in this particular city, Indian Town, Florida, which is the northern reaches of the Miami area of, um, of uh, the, the North American Mission Board is designated as a focus city. We took a trip there about three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, and sat down with different folks and met with them. And the first place we went happened to be to a place where we might have some lodging. Wonderful thing is, there's a neat story about the only hotel there in town. A lot of folks from Florida come specifically there to stay. There are folks, now this is on the northern, uh, the northeastern banks of Lake Okeechobee there. And folks from Jacksonville come to their Sunday buffet. So if you go, you will be fed well. You will be fed well. And you know how important that is. And so, um, but we sat down with Johnny. She is the owner and operator of the place. And it's been in her family three or four times through the years. They bought and sold it several times. And this last time, they've had it for about 25 or 30 years. And uh, she herself is a, a Christian woman, member of a church in the area, and has, goes on multiple mission trips. It's been a few years since she's been on one, but she's been on lots of mission trips. So she was very, very uh, pleased uh, with what we were attempting to do. And um, we've spoken with her, and we're going to have to book the whole hotel, and she's given us great rates uh, for that. We're working out some food service with her as well. We uh, got to the church, dealt with them, worked with them. The pastor had been praying for years that they might be able to do vacation Bible school in their own church. So we didn't come and impose a ministry on them. This is something the pastor's been praying about. The, the way that vacation Bible school is done, though, is such heavy lifting for them that they really could use our help. And we're going to have to navigate this carefully that we don't come across like we're a bunch of know-it-alls and that we don't do all the work that as quickly as we can, we put them at the forward uh, position so the next summer they can do their own. But he was very grateful that we were very willing to uh, serve and to help that way. While there, um, we got to spend a good number of hours with leaders and other members of that church, and we discovered that many of them are from a state in Guatemala. Uh, they call states departments there. Uh, a department or state in Guatemala called San Marcos. And the capital city of San Marcos is San Marcos. And, um, uh, but most of the folks are not from the capital city. They're from the area, the, the, the state of San Marcos, which happens to be the state where there is a large number of Conjobal folks. And they are aware of the Conjobal, and they've had a burden to get the gospel to them. Now, folks, here's what I have oftentimes found. When you have folks here that have been praying about something, and it's a burden, you've got someone else over here uh, independently praying about something that is a burden, oftentimes that's an indicator that God is dealing with both and leading both in the same direction. And I believe that that is what has happened here as well. <clears throat> now, another good piece of good news is that uh, we ate a large number of meals, as many as we could get in, and these people know how to cook. And so it's good. Now, let me give you some dates here that we are uh, contemplating uh, that will factor heavily into our strategy and what we're doing. Uh, first date involves mission study. That will start next Wednesday night. Do all you can to be here and talk this up amongst your friends and in Sunday school, even folks in other churches. Get them here for next Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, and I promise we will not waste your time. I've got about 15 resources for this particular study, and I'm going to be pouring myself into this because I think it's definitive and can shape us greatly for many years to come. Then there'll be mission training. We want everyone going on the mission trip, which we anticipate anywhere from 60 to 85 people uh, to go through training. And we're looking at 
this training Sunday after church on May the 7th. And we'll cover prayer, cross-cultural sensitivity and friendship and relationships. We'll cover evangelism. We'll cover servant attitude. We'll cover the different skills that will be necessary, vacation Bible school and the other things that we'll be doing. And then the mission trip is June 24th through July 1st, as you've seen in your worship guide and publications. So those are some mission dates, mission guidance, mission strategy. And I want to finish this with some actual mission preparation on what to work on between now and June the 24th, and it comes from the text. The first thing is an evangelistic passion. If evangelism is not involved, it's not missions. It might be ministry, and that's okay, and that's a good thing to do. But handing out bottled water without a verbal sharing of the gospel is not missions. Missions always, always, always involves a verbal declaration of the gospel and an invitation to receive the life of Christ. And we need to have a passion about that. It's very, very easy with the burdens and responsibilities and distractions that we have in life that the greatest crisis in the world is not a job loss, as important as that is. The greatest crisis in the world is not a um, breakup with a boyfriend or girlfriend. The greatest crisis in the world is not a health setback. All of these can be serious, and I wouldn't want to minimize them. The greatest crisis is to live and die without Jesus Christ. And the only institution in the world that is going to keep its eyes on that is this one, the Church of Jesus Christ. And we've got to constantly put that up because folks are uh, quickly get intoxicated with this life and the inability to see through it to eternity. Romans chapter 15, beginning in verse 15, Paul demonstrates an evangelistic passion. In verse 15, it's personal. He said, Nevertheless, brethren, I've written more boldly to you on some points, as reminding you because of the grace of God, the grace given to me by God. Paul was zealous to get the gospel out because Jesus had delivered it to him. Paul got saved on the Damascus Road and he never got over it. It was personal. Jesus did something in his life. And Jesus changed him and took an insolent man, a blasphemer and a murderer, Paul would call himself in 1 Timothy 1, and gave him grace that was more than abundant with the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Whenever you think about a lost and dying world here and across the ponds, Always think in terms that someone loved you enough to give you the gospel of Christ. That Jesus loved you enough to save you and you just can't help but tell it. Let your heart be marinated in the gracious truth of the love of God in Jesus Christ. In fact, Billy Graham said, The early Christians turned the world upside down because their hearts were turned right side up. It was personal. It was doxological too. Verse 17, uh, verse 16, that I might be a minister of the gospel to the Gentiles, of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God. Now, both the word minister and ministering here are a liturgical word from the, Old, from the Greek Old Testament, which means to do, I'm a priest who does priestly service, and you'll see that from the next phrase, that the offering, the temple offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And so Paul thought of evangelism as taking the Gentiles as an offering and giving them up to God. Glorifying God by giving him the new converts out from among the lost Gentiles. You know, one of the best ways to worship God is to win someone to Jesus. One of the absolute best ways. And this is what Paul is teaching and saying here. It's also honest in verse 19. 
Well, verse 18, For I will not dare to speak of any of the things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word, deed, to make the Gentiles obedient. In other words, Paul, and then he'll go on to say, in verse 20, And so I made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. 95% of church work is dedicated to Christians. 95% of the budget, 95% of the calendar, and most churches around the country. 95% of Christian radio is given to Christians. 95% of Christian publishing is dedicated towards Christians. And we still have some among us say, what we really need is less evangelism and more discipleship is what we hear from people. And I used to hear this as an evangelism professor constantly from people who didn't win people to Jesus. And I thought, well, how do you know if we don't need less evangelism? You're not doing it. And usually what they mean is, here, let me take the converts that you've won to Jesus and let me disciple them. And I don't want you to. They'll turn out like you. You're not winning people to Jesus. In other words, what you want to do is you want to build on my foundation which Paul said, I'm not going to do in verse 20. And you want to speak of the things that you didn't accomplish. How about you go win your own people to Jesus and build them up in the faith? And then once you do that, you've got the skills to transfer to them to win other people to Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a grotesque, unimaginable imbalance in the kingdom of God towards taking care of Christians. And by the way, 95% of the money and resources are expended on American Christians and only 5% on the lost and dying world. That 95, 5% figure is pretty accurate across the board in many areas. And there are people around the world who wonder, how in the world can you Americans keep consuming so much? And I know why. We're really insecure. And the devil get, keeps us focused on ourselves and our inadequacies. And our lack instead of focused on Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. God never expected anything from you but failure. Let, let's just settle that. He never did. You are always going to be in need of the help of God. But the way to get that, uh, met, get, get that need met is not to keep consuming Christian resources, but to walk in obedience by faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that will take care of it. That's why some people are struggling so bad. They, they keep studying and they keep reading, they keep praying and they keep wishing, but they never end up obeying God. Paul said, I'm not going to do that. And, and so his vision in verse 20 was global. So I've made it my aim to preach the gospel where Christ was not named. An evangelistic passion. Then financial planning, verses 24 through 29. Now Paul's real subtle about this, but he said in verse 24, whenever I journey to Spain... I shall come to you, for I hope to see you on my journey. He's entirely sincere about that. And to be helped on my way there to Spain by you. He's needing their financial help to get there. Paul would not charge lost people in order to fund his ministry. He didn't do it. If Paul were on television, he would not spend a third of the program trying to raise money. He would be more like Billy Graham and Charles Stanley and less like a few others that we could end up naming. And so financial planning is very, very necessary. One of the things I was introduced to um, <coughs> some time ago was planning my mission spending. And I've always planned the tithe, but my planning my mission spending was something a little different. Started, well, I started doing that, and without noticing it, I ended up increasing my missions giving six times. 
And so the year I did that, I was giving six times more than I had given the year before. And so this past year, and you don't need to communicate this and brag about this or anything like that. I don't mean to do that. But this past year, I spent, as, I spent more on missions than I did Christmas gifts this past year. What a remarkable thing. And I've got to tell you, I'm the happiest person in the room, and I don't miss anything. And I got everything for Christmas I wanted. <laughs> and I bought some of it myself. All right? So financial planning to, to give to missions is profoundly important, and so saving some money for the mission trip is going to be important. And, and biblically, that's entirely true. Most of the time when Paul talks about missions, he also says a little something about money. Just about every time he talks about missions in the Scripture. And I will say to you, as far as the mission trip is concerned this summer and the following year in Guatemala, every dollar you expend on missions is a vote for one of the Guatemalans or the Conjobal to go to heaven. It's a vote in favor of that. Then there's vigorous prayer, verses 30 through 32. I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. He gathers the resources, forces, and authority of the Trinity, the Lord Jesus, the Spirit, and God, and marshals them in favor of prayer. And he believes prayer is omnipotent. In, verses, uh, in verse 31 and 32, he says, I'll be delivered, I'll be accepted, my travel will be met with mercy, everyone will be refreshed and renewed. He believed that prayer was as omnipotent as God is. J. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China, said, Satan will always find you something else to do besides prayer, even if it is merely arranging a window blind. That little distraction can move you from that. And, and let me alert you. When you start praying about missions, you'll get more opposition to your prayers. You start praying for lost people, you'll get more opposition to your prayers. And then finally, there's a servant's attitude in verse 16. I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who's a servant of the church in Centuria. Now, I, I, I need to chase a rabbit one day about this. The word servant, some translate that deacon in that there are women deacons in the church, and that's not how the word is used here. In Romans, the word diaconia is never used for deacons. It's used for the Roman government, and the Roman government in this day is hardly a deacon. And the same is true when it comes to um, uh, Paul. Paul used it for himself, and he wasn't a deacon. Phoebe was a sister who indeed was a servant, and Jesus used this word for himself, who was a servant like Paul, like Jesus, and even to the extent that the Roman government served God, was like that as, um, as well. So I can't commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who's a servant of the church in Centuria. We need to have a servant's attitude. Um, my hope is that we will approach our Guatemalan and Conjobal friends in that way. Extremely important to do so. Because we're not merely trying to satisfy ourselves with significant and important ministry. What we're attempting, and we're not doing something merely for fun and to have a meaningful time. I hope it's all that. But when we're done, what I'd like to see us do is I'd like to see us have served in such a way that the Guatemalans and the Conjobal had been put at the tip of the spear of a mission strategy, and they are then reaching people for Christ. That means we've got to allow the freedom for them to do things in their way, not always our way. We've got to also give them a little room to maneuver and even fail at times in this way. 
We don't come across as know-it-alls. We don't come across as if we're dominating everything. Uh, We end up consulting with every one of them. And going through the long decision-making and collaborative decision-making process necessary in order to put our Guatemalan and Conjobal friends at the very tip of the spear of the missionary movement that we're seeking to produce. And if we're in the background, that's fine. If the Florida Baptist paper comes on the site and they only interview the Guatemalans and the Conjobal, and they never get to any of us, and no one ever knows what we've done, I will be the happiest person in the room. And that's okay. That's okay. God knows, but that's not even important. What's important is that we have reproduced missionaries, great commissionaries, somewhere on the earth. So, I think the best way to summarize all of this is to say, how about we join together this summer, and you make plans now for this summer to make a great commotion about the Great Commission. Are we agreed? Can we do that? Great. Well, let's pray together, and I'm going to dedicate this to the Lord, and then I'm going to ask uh, Skipper Cruz to go ahead and come and address you for just a moment about our, uh, our uh, uh, prayer walking this evening. Father, thank you in Jesus' name for the opportunity to serve, and we pray that your Holy Spirit would move in a powerful way amongst us to build a powerful missionary movement. We pray that you would build us into great commissionaries and that we would have the heart, the soul, the fire, the passion, the prayer life, the evangelistic uh, passion, uh, the giving patterns, and the servant attitude necessary to advance the gospel of Christ throughout the earth. Would you make it so, O God, and we will thank you as you do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you all give Skipper Cruz a great, great welcome, all right? He's going to come and share with you for a moment.